well. So it's interesting you mentioned toil because for me, I don't think we've done enough SRE on the systems that managers use in the background. There is so much more toil in my job now. And, and some of it's getting better. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to set up SRE for management systems. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making of the SRE Omelette podcast, where we explore how we achieve positive business and client success outcome via the practice of site reliability engineering. As we look to wrap up season one, I really wanted to have a perspective of SRE from an SRE manager, because managers provide leadership, support, and mentorship to their teams. They help employees reach their goals and shelter them from unnecessary distractions to help them focus. I'm so excited to have Marian Clawlin join us today. Marian is a development and SRE manager for IBM Cloud, container registry and vulnerability advisor based in UK. She is also a key member of the IBM SRE profession core team and the first woman to be South Leader Certified SRE in IBM. I have the pleasure of working with Marianne in many SRE profession activities, and I can think of no better person to speak to on this topic. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Cool. Thanks, Kevin, for having me. Excited to talk about SRE and cooking, which are two of my favorite things. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You know you are in for a treat today. So, Marianne, why don't you get us started by sharing with us your career journey? I can. And I guess it's, it's just not really very traditional. I've not really gone up through a route and come out at the end in a specific place that I assumed I would end up. I did business IT at university. This is my 17th, 18th year in IBM. And my first role was actually in operations. Mm. Um, and it, it was one of my favorite roles, I must admit. I, I really, I sort of look back on that and go, well, yeah, that was a, a really good role and I really learned loads of things from it. But early in your career, you're very much taught to try lots of different things. And so I went off and I did development after that. And then it was, oh, so what's your, what's your career plan? Like, mm. oh, I, d I don't really know. <laughs> um, I, I've not really thought about it. But there was, I, I guess, a, a bit of a pressure to decide what you want to do when you mm. grow up. And so I went down what I thought was the path that I wanted to do, which was architect. And I was good at it. But I sort of got to this point where I was a bit like, I don't really find this fun anymore. And then, then there was a decision point for me in terms of having a family and what do I do? So I looked for a role that made it easier for me to do that transition, become a mother. And I, and I moved business units so that I could be closer to home. And I went into technical PM work but I sort of got to this place where I was like, I'm not enjoying this. And I, I don't know why I'm coming into work every day mm. and putting my daughter in childcare. I'm mm. not really enjoying it. So I sort of had a bit of a reflection point at that time. And I was like, well, what have I really enjoyed in my career? And it was that first role in ops. And I was like, could I do that? But where I am? So in the department I was working in at the time, we'd sort of gone through a transition. We were moving into cloud. We were a software product. How do we make that a SaaS offering? And there was this gap in that most of the people in the department came up through that traditional software development route and they hadn't mm -hmm. done the operations side. So 
I could offer something a bit different because I'd done it before. And so it was from there that I started researching what SRE was, how could we implement it? And from there, sort of took it out, expanded it. We had a pilot, we grew it and sort of I set it up for the department, which was a really cool thing to do Mm -hmm. because you could sort of use some of your past experience, but also it was like, I don't know, 16 years on in my career and things had changed. So there were all these new practices. SRE was a bit of a buzz and I could bring those things to the team and that was really cool. And then I guess management will talk about how did I go into management after that? <laughs> it's a separate question. And you know, Marianne, what you did there was a, such a great highlight of we should often reflect. I mean, as part of SRE, we do incident learning and reflection. What you just spoke of your career journey is a really good example of how we should also reflect on what we enjoy about our work, what we don't, <laughs> and, and yeah, do something about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go to work for so many hours a day. I really think you should enjoy it. Great role model there. <laughs> Thank you. So what made you consider to go into the manager's role? So as you can see from my past, I don't really stay in a role for very long, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, for <laughs> me, it, it sort of helped me build something that I just really enjoy doing. As I said, you if you're coming to work for that many hours a day, you might as well enjoy it whilst you're mm-hmm. there. And so I think really for me, it's just trying lots of different things, understanding what I'm good at, what I don't really enjoy, and how can I create a role where I'm doing things that I enjoy most of the time. And it, it feels like I'm adding some value. And so I know to a lot of my sponsors, moving away from SRE, and, and I haven't fully moved away from SRE, but moving away from a technical, mm-hmm. hands-on SRE role, it seemed to my sponsors as quite a rapid decision. But it, it honestly wasn't. I'd done a training course called Insight into Management, I think mm-hmm. maybe three years before I made the move. Mm. And it was just something that I started to sort of naturally move towards. Uh, I was in a leadership role. I was leading a team. There were things that I would do as a team lead that perhaps not all other team leads would do. So I would hold one-to-ones with everyone in my team, which felt like a bit of a manager thing to do. But for me, it was important to understand, were they enjoying what they were doing? Was the stress of the on-call too much? Were there things that I could do to make things better for them? I'm very much of the sort of servant leadership style of management. Mm. And so all those sort of things were sort of coming together. And for me, it just became a, well, this is where I want to head next. But like I said, to my sponsors, it appeared quite a rash decision. I think it was maybe the first time in my career that I'd started to be considered as an SME in a particular subject matter. So to then go, oh, that's it. I'm going to throw in the towel and I'm going to go and move (laughs) over to management. Maybe it seemed a bit weird. I was the first woman and I think still perhaps the only woman in IBM to be certified as thought leader as SRE. And for the work that I'd done on the SRE pilot and setting that up, I'd won a technical industry award. So, you know, I was starting to get a really big name in SRE and then, oh no, and now I'm off and I'm a manager. Um, And I think there's also a bit of a pressure as a woman, maybe Mm -hmm. just this is me, but I don't know, but to stay technical and to to then be one of those women who just goes off and does a management role. I don't know. It had a bit of an internal, I don't know, fight with myself. But like Mm. I said at the beginning, it was just, 
I wanted to do something that I found fun and I enjoyed. And, and I think I just felt naturally I was, I was good at the role and wanted to give it a shot and see how I got on. And that's really yeah. how I've done most things in my career. <laughs> wow, Marianne, I'll say it again. Amazing role model you are. Those are traits of a great leader and person. And Marianne, I'm sure you will inspire more women to follow your path. Speaking of liking what we do, I recall having a conversation with our friend Jerry Kumo. I think he caught me on a bad day. And I was telling him, I'm not sure I like what I'm doing. And he reminded me, just like eliminating toil to be less than 50% of what SRE does. Kevin, you don't have to be happy with what you do 100% of the time. You just have to make sure you do have more good days versus bad days. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's interesting you mentioned toil. Because for me, I don't think we've done enough SRE on the systems that managers Mm. use in the background. There is so much more toil in my job now. Oh, no. And some of it's getting better. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to set up SRE for management systems (laughs) because I find I spend so much time now typing in boxes, different boxes, same information between spreadsheets into different yeah. systems. It's like, oh, why have we not automated this yet? Right. So that's, that's one thing. And so, I, I, like I say, love to get some of that fixed. Mm-hmm. And then other things, I, I think you get a different insight and perspective on decision points that are made within the business. That I think when you're an engineer, you just think people are doing it to spite you. But there's reasons behind it. And oftentimes mm-hmm. they're financial reasons or legal reasons. And obviously as a manager, you get insight into those things. And then it's a case of well, what do I pass on to the team? What do I try and fix before they even find out that it might have been a mm. problem? Do I tell them that I fixed it or do I just gloss over it? Because I'm here, I see my primary job as trying to make the world a better place for my engineering team to work in? And why burden them with the the idea that I had to go off and fix something for them? So I do find my scrum updates really challenging in a, well, what do I actually say that I did yesterday? Because, you know, I did all these things. I was trying to get this license sorted out for you because I didn't want you knowing that maybe we were going to have to change the tooling you were going to be using and Mm -hmm. that would be an interrupt to you. So I did all those things but I don't really feel like I need to tell you any of it. So I was in right. meetings yesterday. <laughs> it's usually my update. Meetings yesterday, more meetings today. <laughs> and then the other thing is, it's a bit weird not being in the weeds anymore. Mm. One of the things that I really enjoyed, and maybe I'm just weird, is love <laughs> incidents and getting involved <laughs> in incidents. I really found it was how I learned about a system and how it all hung together. Because when something fails, you see the knock-on impact across the architecture. And you lose sight of that when you become a manager and you start Mm. seeing the incidents in the metrics that get reported and what's the MTTR and why did it take so long for you to detect that? And you start seeing it as those numbers and you start losing some of the detail. And so I find it really interesting going through the incident reports with my team just to keep my own knowledge up of how the system works. I find that fascinating because like I say, I've I've sort of stepped away that I'm not hands-on, but I do still find it interesting and engaging. So I love sitting in on RCAs with my team. You know what, Marion, that's a really interesting perspective. 
I never thought about that way, but it makes perfect sense. Perhaps you can get yourself, maybe you can start hosting some of the chaos testing Gende events. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be where, a good idea. Where, where you can be the one that breaks them. <laughs> I can break things quite easily, don't worry about that. And then challenge your team to see, what did Marion break this time? Or did she touch anything? Right? So, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it reminds me, David Lee from the CIO, they have a really good practice discussing incident learning through storytelling. And perhaps that's a practice that we, you, know, you and your team can kind of get into as well. That kind of Yeah, nice. <laughs> Sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. No, and I will say that the toil you mentioned that you started to see when you took on this role, I remember I had to go procure some licensing for our team. And oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> I, I did not know how much how hard it is to spend money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> I think you hit something there. I think you also mentioned that you won numerous IT awards for you to be hands-on. Maria, I definitely see opportunities for you to win more awards for you <laughs> eliminating toil at the management and the finance level. Think about all the reporting rather than a PowerPoint, especially how can we do those on the glass, on the dashboards. Yeah, and, wow. and the amount of times you have to put the same information in three different places is yep. unbelievable. Different templates for different audiences. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, can we not just have one? I don't know. Yes. You know what, Marianne? Let's work on reducing that as a to-do for both Absolutely. Of us. Yes. Let's do that. Everyone's life better. So, Marianne, I think you touched on some of those. What would you say is the top challenges that you see from your team as a manager? I think it's hard to say what the top challenge for my team is. I would probably poll them. I've got 16 people in my team. I'd probably get 120 different answers <laughs> if I asked, what's your top or number one mm. top challenge? But a challenge for sure it, that I've seen in both my teams is the alerting balance. So how do you get the right balance of alerting so that your team can get sleep and rest mm -hmm. and they're not interrupted 24 seven? but also that you notice it before your customers do. And SLOs help, but I don't think they're the end there really. For me, they help in that your team understand what they're trying to aim for, but unless it's published, your customers don't know. And particularly around the question of performance and what is slow, I mean, that's mm. certainly something that we've been talking a lot in our team about at the moment because slow to us might not be slow to someone else. The whole slow is a new down. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. How do we know what is acceptable? And like I say, SLOs help there, but until you're publishing them and agreeing them externally, and then it becomes an SLA and you don't really want SLAs on <laughs> performance per se. Yeah. And so it's it's really difficult getting that balance of how do I not interrupt the team all the time? But how do we notice before our customers do? What's mm -hmm. the precise point where you need your alerting to kick in without disturbing everyone all the time? I find that's really hard. But you iterate on it, don't you? So you have a starting point. If it's not right, you try again. And I think really that's, that's just life is learning from failure, isn't it? So with the whole reinventing myself, you know, you, you do it all the time. You iterate, you learn, and you improve over time. So I'm sure we'll get there. And then we'll change the requirements and we'll have to do it all over again. Yeah, exactly. I, I like the point you just mentioned. Don't be afraid to change your requirements. And ultimately, that's what's needed to give 
the life back to the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think over time, through having dialogues with our customers, we would come to a consensus on <laughs> what is the <laughs> definition of slow. Yes. Yeah, and, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope. So, so let me turn that around. What is the top challenge for you? So that's an interesting one too. So I think something that I've slowly learned to do over time, and I, I still find it hard, and it's different now as well that I'm in a management position, is I care a lot about the work that I do. And for me, I can find that comes out as quite an emotional response sometimes, mm. particularly when I was doing my previous role and I was setting up the SRE pilot, setting up a new team. There were sometimes management decisions that came down. And again, I wasn't a manager at the time. So there were all these decisions coming down around finance and shape of the organization that I didn't quite understand. And I got really quite upset about it to the point that sometimes I would be in tears. But it's because I really cared about the team. I cared about mm-hmm. what we were doing. And for me, that's been quite difficult. And yeah. now as a manager, I get different insights into things. And I also get insights into people's personal lives, which right. is great because the team trusts me enough to share things yeah. with me. But then it makes it quite hard on me because you're sort of carrying this load of, oh no, this person in the team is struggling because of this thing. And am right. I doing the right thing for them? And do I need to change the way that I'm interacting with them? And is that, so there's all these questions all the time. And so for me, caring about your job is a really good thing, but mm-hmm. you also need to learn how to compartmentalize, put work aside, switch your laptop off at the end of the day yeah. and actually leave it off. I'm getting much better at it. I used to be dreadful. I used to still be online late at night. Yeah. But now it is very much laptop shut. I need to stop. I need to do something else because it just gets too much otherwise. You get emotion because you care. And I think that's, again, it's a trade-off. A good manager, a good human being, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's all and, about being human, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, <laughs> and having that empathy, like you said, having that perspective of how, how does your team feel and I know personally I contemplate the management role and I think what you mentioned about that be able to regulate the emotion compartmentalizing have you found a way to do that better I (laughs) oh no I don't know I don't think there's any magic solution around Mm -hmm. it beyond it just you just have to do it you have to force yourself to know today I'm switching off my laptop and I'm going to go do something else because I have yeah. to for my own mental health. I don't think there is a, an easy way of doing it beyond just being disciplined and switching mm-hmm. technology off. Right. If I right. come up with something, I'll come back to you though, Kevin. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> what, what, what do a sequel of this episode? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I think what you mentioned about is really helping your team to, and maybe set a good example of if you're not on call, put your work aside, have your life back. <laughs> yes, please do. Yes. So let's touch on At least from my perspective, I see a lot of measurement on, hey, we need to improve our efficiency of of scale, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which got into how can we build a team that's more efficient, more effective? Lots of kumbaya stuff there, but uh, Uh is your definition of an effective and impactful team? It's a difficult question to answer, but I think it's one where people feel that they can challenge each other's ideas in a safe mm. environment. Disruption can be a good thing. And I think 
in my team, I've got some really good, strong personalities and they're not afraid to challenge one another mm-hmm. constructively. And I think a lot of that comes from diversity, mm-hmm. not to steer the conversation away from SRE, but I think diversity really is a big challenge for us at the moment and getting more diverse teams is a way of increasing our productivity. And it's not even sort of the obvious gender and things like Mm -hmm. that. It's just different skills and different life experiences Mm -hmm. and even moving from a different business unit. So I was talking to a colleague just the other week. They were less technical than the rest of their team. They'd come in Mm -hmm. from a different business unit and they were like, oh, I don't know what I'm bringing to this team. They're all so much more technical than I am. They're deeper in this. They understand these things. And we had a bit of a conversation about it. And, you know, there were other things that this person was bringing to the team. They were Mm -hmm. bringing more organizational skills than the rest of the team had. They had far more client insight into how products were being used. And it wasn't until those missing skills had been brought into the team that, the team realized that they were actually needed. Mm-hmm. And I think until you bring in lots of different people with different backgrounds and different experiences, yeah. you don't actually understand that the diversity is missing. You need your team to feel free and safe to experiment. And mm-hmm. you get those new ideas from different people coming in from outside and going, have you thought about doing it a different way? <laughs> so right. that sort of thing, I think, is, is really important. And we do really need to consider it. I really like that because if you just have people who have the same background in experience or previous roles, they will all be asking the same questions. And I I remember one of the previous guests, MP English from Google, (laughs) (laughs) when they got a new intern who joined the team. And one of the first questions was like, why do we do things this way? If we don't have a good answer for it, (laughs) that lead to us to challenge the status quo, which I saw was really, and I think really highlighted by what you just mentioned. I really like how your definition of measurement of impactful and effective is really fun. How we drive that disruption, how we are kind of challenging that status quo, finding a better way to do things. Yeah. And I think we need to reward it as well. So Mm. when you have those disruptive moments and people challenging things and bringing in new ideas, how do we reward that? You know, Mm -hmm. someone going and fixing some tech debt, it doesn't always go noticed, but recognizing, mentioning it to the team, this accomplishment's happened. We've got rid of this tech debt. They're Mm -hmm. important things to celebrate as well as the features and as well as the reliability improvements. It's it's those other things that you also need to reward the team for as well. Here, here. And, you know, I'm going to go off the script here. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. So this is an interesting area. And I think you were just mentioning you you miss being in the trenches, in the fire, putting on the fire. I would say for my own career, I have definitely been recognized a lot more often when I was the one, hey, there's a big fire, who do we call? Call Kevin. Kevin went in, put out the fire, get recognized. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I, I, I benefited from a lot of that. However, as we look at the SRE, it's really about how do we prevent that fire? Absolutely, yeah. What are your thoughts about help actively promote and recognize people who prevented the fire? It's difficult because you don't get a lot of time to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the hard thing. And really, I think, it's allowing the team to 
feel like they can do it and not get in trouble. Mm. So we've got all these deliverables. Yes, we've got all these incidents that we need to manage, lots of challenges around time management and getting things in plan. But how do you also carve out the time to do those other things? And people don't always feel like they're allowed to, like there's some permission Mm. to do it because it's not on a plan. So if you go off and do something else, it feels like you're not doing the right Mm. pieces of work to move the project on. And that's all valid. I'm trying to have conversations with the team in, could you spend 10% of your time? It doesn't have to be a lot of your time, but 10% Mm -hmm. of your time doing something that you think will help these things. Is there PRs that you can clear up that have been hanging around for ages that are debt that we've just not sorted out? Are there issues that you could raise that you could then put into our backlog so that we could fix it in the future if Mm, it's too big to just fix in an afternoon? Because unless you highlight the tech debt in your plan somewhere, it will always go unnoticed (laughs) and no one will ever fix it. And execs won't know that it exists. So Mm. you have to be upfront about it and show that it exists for your team to be able to then have the permission to go and fix it. And then rewarding it. I think it needs to be bundled in with the same way that you reward featured development. They, mm-hmm. they should be on a par with one another because right. they're all things that drive the business forward. They're all things that are important for us to do so that we continue to make money as a business. And if you don't reward consistently, they don't get done. People are smart. People are going to change their behavior based on what's been recognized, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so I really like that. Creating that safe environment definitely is first and foremost. I like what you called out. Perhaps spending time, maybe you don't completely solve it, but you raise it and bring it front and center so they get prioritized uh, mm. for the next spring sessions. No, yeah. So wrapping up this segment then, Marion, what would be your definition of a good SRE manager? It's a tricky question because I, I don't know, <laughs> is it different to other managers or is it the same yeah. as other managers? So I guess there is an element of understanding, especially where I've been in the role before, is understanding mm-hmm. that there is a stress around being on call, having the pager, mm-hmm. getting that alarm going off in the middle of the night and your phone is ringing and you're like, oh yeah. God, what is happening? It seeps into your home life. And so I think there is an element of understanding that it's not the same level as emergency services, doctors, nurses, Mm -hmm. that sort of role. But equally, you don't know who's on the other end of your system. As much as you might put on your product, this can't be used for life-saving critical systems, you don't know if it is or not. And so Mm -hmm. there's always that element of stress in a, well, I don't know all the customers, particularly in a cloud environment, anyone could be using it. Mm -hmm. And particularly in IBM cloud, it's big banks, it's it's massive amounts of money. And so there is a stress there. And so understanding that as a manager is really important because you can empathize, you can talk through ways to deal with it. It is a part of the role. It's not something that you can just go, well, I just don't want to do that part of the role. Because it sort of makes you not really doing an SRE role. So there is that side of it. But I think it goes back to what we said at the beginning around it's all about being a nice, good human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think management is a lot like that. It's mm-hmm. being consistent in the way that you deliver messages. It's being authentic in who you are. I think one of the nicest compliments I had from someone in my team was you've always been the same person. So from the day that you hired me, 
to this mm. conversation right now. I've always known who you are and you've always right. spoken to me in the same way. It's an element of no surprises. I mean, no one wants to go, oh, is Marion having a good mm. day today or is she in a bad <laughs> mood today? I don't know if I should bring her this problem today or tomorrow because how mm -hmm. is she going to react to it? You don't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. You need to be someone who can build that trust because once right. you once you've done that, it feeds into the, the blameless culture. People will yeah. bring you their problems. They will say we had this yeah. incident, and oh, actually, it was because I pressed the wrong key. I mean, okay, that well, that's that's great, and let's let's fix it so that no one else in the whole organization can press that wrong key. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, it it doesn't come down to people. I mean, right. we're now going into I guess yep. RCAs and things, but yeah. Yep. You need people to be upfront about how they got into a specific situation mm. so that you can fix it with the technology solutions. Yes. And I need my team to feel that they can trust me so that we can get these problems solved. Yeah. Going back to what you mentioned earlier, having that safe environment, people are willing to challenge the status quo. People mm -hmm. are willing to share perspectives and insights to really drive that change. So thank you so much, Marian, for the insights of um, good SRE manager, I would say just manager and human being in general. <laughs> a big part of this podcast is to drive tech vitality of SRE. And I know this is a, an area you're passionate about as well. You know that one of the biggest challenges practitioners have, and we often hear is that I simply don't have time. Mm -hmm. Marion, Kevin, I'm so busy putting out fires. I don't have time to learn. I don't have the time to get a certification. Do you see that challenge as well? And, and if so, <laughs> how have you helped your team address it? I 100% see that in pretty much everyone in my team. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's mandatory education that comes down as well as all the other things oh, that you right. want to learn. And so it's how do you prioritize all those things and your day job and responding to the incidents? And there isn't a magic answer to this problem. It's discipline. I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. But there's a mindset to it as well, I think. So there's the premise in investing where you invest little and often and you see big gains. And that's how I see skills building, really. And we're in a skills-based market. So we reward based on mm -hmm. market value of skills. So ensuring that your skills are up to date is incredibly important for your career and you should be making time for it. But yes, it's hard. So I've said about making time an hour of your week. Working week is only 2.5% of the time you're in work. It's not mm -hmm. really a massive amount of time. So, so you can make time for it. You make time for other things. So make time right. to build your skills. Block the time out in your calendar. I try to encourage my team, and I don't think they all do it, but I do encourage my team to block out some time in the afternoon on a Friday. If you don't work on a Friday, a different day. Get off social media, close your email down. It's having that agreement with the team as well also helps because if you know everyone else in the team is doing it on a Friday afternoon, then you're mm. less likely to interrupt each other. And I think there's also an element of, does my manager allow me to go and do this? Is this mm. allowed? I don't know. Should I, yeah. should I really be actually working on this epic instead because that's the mm -hmm. most important thing. We're getting a lot of flack about it, maybe from execs. I don't know. But I think you also have to not just communicate that it's allowed, but also role model it yourself. Mm -hmm. So I do try to highlight to my team that I'm also keeping my skills up to date. 
I will post in Slack about things that I've mm. done, courses that I've been on. I'd recommend you maybe watch this video because I found it really good. And there's also all the not so obvious learning. So it doesn't have to be a course. I subscribe to quite a lot of SRE newsletters. There'll be articles in there. There may be just mm-hmm. a five minute read, but I'll go right, through right. them. I'll filter out the ones that I think maybe the team would be interested in. Maybe we've been working on some mm. performance issues and oh, lo and behold, there's an article about some <laughs> other company who's also been going through the same thing and how right. have they set their SLOs and what have they done? And so I'll ping it to the team so that they can have a read of it. And it's only five minutes, but it gets the team thinking, different insights, all those sorts of things, making sure the team are pairing. It happens, maybe it doesn't happen enough, but pairing with one another and building up each other's skills is also really important. I did suggest a really wacky idea to someone in my team. We were talking about how do you go to conferences when you can't get funding to travel? And Mm. maybe we could come up with our own conference day. A lot Mm. of the conferences that you do so SREcon and there was DevOps Institute Summit. They put YouTube videos out there. Could we right. curate our own conference by all submitting a video that we thought was really cool that we've seen and build it into our own little mini conference oh, day in the office? And obviously some of that came from organizing yeah. our SRE conference last <laughs> year in IBM. Right. But I was like, wouldn't that be a really cool idea? Because everyone gets to share something that they thought would be really beneficial for the team. And you get lots of different ideas from lots of different people and could we build it into our own little conference? So I think there's ways. You just need to make it fun as well. <laughs> yeah, speaking of fun, I can remember where I read it. Nobody likes going to meetings, but <laughs> everyone loved going to an event. So <laughs> <laughs> It's rebranding. That's all it is, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? So yeah. I love your idea of, of an event where we have a watch party. Yeah. And Mary, you also reminded me I had a session with Bill Higgins he touched on the art of asking for help. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to show your team that it's okay to do so is letting them know that you do it too. Yeah. And I think you did a really good highlight here where you showing your team that, hey, I don't know everything. <laughs> I, I'm still learning. <laughs> I really and don't. This is what I do. <laughs> so I, I think that's a really fantastic way of, again, being a good role model. Cool. So... Maria, any hints for potential practitioners looking to get into SRE on what they can do to get ready? Perhaps you can break it down for a new hire as well as someone who is an experienced SRE. For me, I mean, SRE really roots itself in development and engineering. So being an awesome developer is really important. And for me, there's also, I guess, the difference between being a disciplined professional engineer versus coder. And that's not to say either which one is wrong or right, but I think when you're looking at SRE, you really need someone who's disciplined because they're the people who will pick out your tech debt. They're the ones who will think about clean code. They will really elevate the quality of the products that you're delivering. And it's it's not always just about around the edges in the way that you might do sysadmin or ops, it's how do you improve the product that's being delivered as well. And for me, having someone with a really strong base in development mm-hmm. and engineering is really important. Beyond that, getting into SRE in the beginning, it's understanding things like the terminology. You band around SLO, MTTR, what do they really mean? How do you get to those things? 
there's loads of really good books that you can read about it and just getting a basic understanding of what they mean and why you care about them is really important. And then I mentioned earlier about articles. I mean, I read incident reports from other companies just because it's fun. Do that. What other problems do companies have? What are we reporting about? What's going on in the world? How do people mitigate incidents? What do people care about? Getting that understanding of what can go wrong so that you can improve how you Mm -hmm. respond to things, I think is, is really important. That's, I guess, where I'd sort of start. You asked about what I'd look for in a new hire. I think really it comes down to really wanting to learn. So we mentioned about building skills. It really comes across in an interview if someone's passionate about learning and passionate mm-hmm. about the subject. It, it is very obvious. It's not something that you can easily fake. And the most successful people that I've brought into teams have been the ones who have really come across as they just want to learn. They just want to mm-hmm. absorb everything. Yeah. In most tech skills you can teach. I don't need you to have 100% of the skills that we put on an application mm-hmm. to join the company. I mean, if I was going back to the diversity point, I'd say right. to women who, who won't apply for jobs unless they've got 100%, that's not what I'm looking for as a manager. It really isn't. I know that I can teach you these skills if you're passionate about learning. So, so please apply. <laughs> if you're doubting yourself, if you've got you know, 70%, just apply anyway. Right, right. Obviously, it depends on the experience you're you're hiring for. So if I need a senior engineer and I need them to be well-versed in something from day one, that's a different scenario. But for the most, the majority of roles, a lot of the skills we can just teach you when you're here. That's really important to learn. Yeah, Maria, I remember reading your LinkedIn post on that. It is a great call-out. I would also add that to embrace neurodiversity, the same is also true. Mm-hmm. Please don't feel that you have to meet every requirement before you apply. Yeah, please don't. And I think this is uh, perhaps a call out to all managers who create job posts to clearly separate must-haves versus nice-to-haves. This will help us get the most diverse applicants. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much, Marion, for that. I really like what you're talking about, learning incidents from other companies. I think that really feedback into just building that more additional perspective and boost that diversity of thoughts to help us come with better way to solve problems. Do you have some thoughts there to boost sharpening people's skills there? Yeah. So I, I guess one of the things that I don't see maybe enough SRE doing is actually using what they're supporting. So there's a SaaS offering that you support. Are you using the product Do you try it out? Do you know how your customers are interacting with the system, where things could fail? What happens when you have an outage? What's the customer experience like? We do a lot of design thinking in IBM, and I don't think enough SRE think it applied to them. But for me, it really does, because the whole reason you're doing your role is so that customers have an amazing experience using your product. And I think if you don't understand how it works for them when you have an outage, then that's a really big thing problem. Mm. The other thing for me maybe is, as you, I guess, understood from my career path, I'm a little bit anti-SME. I sort of, I become an SME and then I go, oh, let's just go do something else. Mm -hmm. But I think I've learned a lot from doing that because I've had enough different experiences that I bring something different to the role all the time. And so I don't think there's a problem being an SRE maybe for 
for software and they're like a SaaS product and then maybe going, oh, actually, maybe I will try being an infrastructure SME is build your skills by moving around. And even in SRE, it sounds quite niche, but there are lots of different opportunities and different things you can get involved in as an SRE. And I think as my experience has taught me, trying different things and learning lots of different experiences just makes you a stronger Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you want to be at the end of the day, because uh, sure, sure. a human being, let's go with that again. Um, <laughs> you know, all these experiences, they shape you and you bring something different. And I think that's really important. I love it. So, Mary, where do you think SRE is going? Such a difficult question. <laughs> I really, I didn't know how to answer this one at all. I guess, in a way, SRE is still a little bit early on it's a bit new and it doesn't maybe it shouldn't be but it does still feel new and I think we're still very much agreeing what does SRE mean I was talking to someone a while back who was critiquing the way another team was doing SRE and they were like that is not proper SRE I was like well what is proper SRE I mean is it a particular way of doing it is it a particular set of things that you do Or is it a little more like agile? Is it principles? Mm. I don't know. I mean, maybe there is a, this is SRE and this is how you should do it. But for me, I really feel it should be tailored to what your business needs are because Mm -hmm. maybe ops is right for you. Maybe you don't need SRE. If you're not thinking about the business and what the business requirements are, then why are you doing it at all? And for me, that was, that was definitely, it came out in my previous role where we were setting up the pilot because my SRE team, we didn't look at CICD at all. And for some people, they would say, well, you're not doing SRE then. Mm-hmm. But we were doing so many other things that really were SRE, right. but the business didn't need us to care about CICD. It wasn't a problem. So we needed mm. to focus on what the problems sure. were. And that was our alerting infrastructure, to be honest. It was the metrics. We had nothing there and so we had to really build that up and to focus then on CICD as well it would have been too much of a distraction and we would not have fixed the business problem that we were there to do and then I guess my other thought which I guess might get me in trouble with some people is (laughs) we started out doing SRE I mean in Google and it was because engineers hated doing ops but now we're hiring people who want to do SRE I don't know. Is that just a bit weird? You know, <laughs> I, the premise was you hated the role and you wanted to automate your way out of it. And now we're just hiring people who just want to do it. You know, I love SRE. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe for me, it's morphing a little bit into DevOps. And I don't know, maybe maybe SRE will continue on and it will stay distinct. But maybe also for me, I think development, understanding how to operate a system and operators understanding how to develop. It's really important. So I don't know. Maybe it will just be DevOps in the future or DevSecOps or Dev whatever other acronyms <laughs> we want to throw in there. Or maybe it will stay SRE. I don't know. What do you think? What do I think? Oh my God, tough question. Turned it around. I never I know. had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're good at this. <laughs> so I think in some forms of this, maybe two pillars are up. I think we just from a reliability perspective, it would just transition to be without the S. And I stated that from my previous guest, Kyle Brown. 
rather than narrow down to site service or whatever you want to call it, we ultimately we want to achieve the goal of something being reliable, and that mm-hmm. should be considered by everyone. The other part, I think that one of the biggest culture shift and maybe process we're, we're thinking that we're pushing with is our use automation and toil reduction. You and I spoke of that at the beginning, and you and you realized so much more toil. So, <laughs> so I really feel like imagine you probably wouldn't have this today if 10 years ago there were managers who embraced the SRE mindset. They would have mm-hmm. said, oh my God, there's all those toil. Let me work my way to eliminate it. So I, I think in the future, I would like to see at least SRE being embraced by everybody in the organization. It's not really a a job. It's really a, how would you call that, a discipline, a mindset that everybody does. People in finance, yeah. as they look into buy a new licensed software, they should see mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. thing is all Toyo. They really how should. Can I <laughs> eliminate it? Exactly, right? Project managers, they're doing reporting updates on projects. They realize they just, you know, spreadsheet, PowerPoint, through email repeatedly. How do I eliminate that? So I would love to see us get into that spot where everyone work to embrace the outcome of SRE. Mm, sounds lovely. <laughs> I, would, I would love that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we all would. Less PowerPoints and spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I quite like a PowerPoint, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all, all that toil, if you're bringing sustainability, that's look at all that carbon we will be saving, right, Marian? <laughs> yeah, too right. So, in closing, we went on our journey of all improving, I would say, life improving, you know, the planet, improving sustainability. Yep. <laughs> I always like to go in closing back to the inspiration of this podcast. But instead of SRE as a whole, what would you say is a key ingredient and recipe for a well-managed SRE team? I felt there was a lot of pressure on this question because I love <laughs> cooking so much. My husband is really good at making omelets as well. Oh, so I was just no like, oh, no, here. I really have to answer this very well. So for me, the key is obviously the eggs. So the eggs for me is the psychological safety that comes mm. from the way that you manage the team from the leadership is from building the trust and that doesn't obviously come from day one. It comes over the long term. And as I mentioned earlier, it's around being authentic, being consistent. So if you say you're going to do something, you do it. And if you don't, it's okay to apologize and own up to the fact that you didn't do it and to make it right. And I think for me, that sort of that builds that psychological safety. Also, obviously, eggs seasoning you have to have seasoning salt and pepper so the fun the creativity the freedom to express and be creative in your job to do the fun things like create that Mm -hmm. really cool bot on the side having the time for that it's really important because otherwise Mm -hmm. all you're doing is turning the handle and that's no fun you need to have some fun at work and fillings so you can put whatever you like in an omelette within reason. I mean, maybe putting chocolate in it would be a bit weird. (laughs) But, you know, cheese, pepper, ham, mushrooms. And for me, that's the people. So Mm. it's the diversity element. It's bringing all the different skills in, all the different personalities, and also acknowledging that sometimes a filling that you want for your omelette isn't available. Maybe they're on holiday. Maybe they're off doing that education Mm. that you want them to do. And that's fine. And you still, the omelette is still fine. 
the omelet is still great. You can take people out of that omelet, but, but the team still runs. And having an effective team where you don't have just one person who has all the knowledge for mm. me is really important. So fillings that they're all there most of the time and you can choose whatever ones you want, but sometimes people have a life. They need to go off and do something else. Yeah. That's my recipe for a well-managed SRE team. Wow, that's fantastic. I really love it. It really captures the empathy, the different perspectives people bring and making people, creating that safe environment, people feel like they're not the only one that can solve this problem. They can go on holiday, they can have a break and their team's got their back. I find it so sad when someone says, oh, can I go on holiday because so-and-so's <laughs> oh. on holiday as well. I'm like, of course you can. <laughs> if, we, if we can't feel like we can go on holiday, then we're doing something wrong in the team. We really are. Marion, uh, I'll say it again. You're such a role model for all of us. You... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, <laughs> I, I wish all inspired managers who listen to this has the aspiration to be just like you. Thank you oh. so much, Marion. Thank you very much, Kevin. That's uh, making me blush. <laughs> uh, we'll have you follow up with say additional ingredients on the future episode <laughs> yeah okay I'll need to give it even more thought won't I cool thank you I also like to thank the audience for listening this is Kevin Yu Principal SRE of IBM Sustainability Software see you on the future episode